Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. I like to say that I have not had a panic attack in, oh my God, like five years. I haven't had one in like five years. I am pretty happy about that. That's like quite a result for me. In fact, I would say my anxiety in general has completely it's evaporated. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, aka Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. We're going to be talking to Raywin Guerrero, who is a very special member at FDN, and we talked all about mental health. Now, what was cool is she has not only seen this occur, or these types of issues, I should say, occur in her family, but she's dealt with them herself, and she also has done work at the systemic level and business levels to try try to really help out places when it comes to dealing with mental health appropriately. And I think that's so cool because it's something I try to do in my life. It is amazing helping people one-on-one, but this is why we're on the podcast. This is why we're doing speaking. We're out here trying to help at a system level because we don't want people to ever really, you know, it shouldn't have gotten this bad is what I'm trying to say. And so we got to do the one-on-one work. That's what things like FDN Thrive are for. That's what we're here to help with. But at the same time, it would just be amazing if we did the right thing as a society anyway, so that we didn't need to do all this like extra work on the back end. And it didn't take people years to find people like us. It's really just a sad thing. We're out here trying to change that. Now, Raywin has lived and worked in London since 2001. She founded a virtual well-being practice, WellWorks, in 2017, which offers bespoke nutrition and psychotherapy programs for high-achieving executives to recover from burnout so they can feel energized, aligned, and unstoppable. Prior to 2017, she spent six years as the global well-being manager at a multinational bank, developing group wellness programs for those struggling with 21st century chronic health conditions such as stress, anxiety, depression, IBS, back and neck pain, and obesity. In 2012, she introduced six-week mindfulness awareness workshops to employees with the aim of reducing stress and improving focus, clarity, and creativity, and facilitated regular balance at Barclay's weekly drop-in meditation sessions. She was a member of the all-party parliamentary group up for mindfulness in the workplace from 2015 to 2016, tasked with making stress reduction and anxiety a priority for government policy and public health. So, so cool. That's what I'm talking about when I'm mentioning that systemic level stuff, right? Now at WellWorks, her online business, she now integrates personalized nutrition with CBT and meditation to bring about rapid transformation in the mental and physical health of individuals and organizations. I had a wonderful conversation with Raywin. We're looking forward to having her on again in the future, but I don't want to spoil anything. I'll just put it this way. If you are into mental health at all and into mental health or dealing with mental health, I should say, with a functional perspective, this is the podcast for you. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hello there, Ray. Thanks so much for being here with us tonight. Thanks, Evan, for having me. I'm really excited to be here because I've been listening to you now for about three or four months. <laughs> well, I'm excited for this conversation because I, Ray and I had talked before just on a Zoom call really quick, get to know each other. And 
this woman's got a huge passion for mental health, which many people at this point that are listening regularly know is one of the main things that got me into the health space. And I mean, it had a huge effect on my life. So I'm looking forward to have this discussion today. But we're going to start out just like we do the same way with everyone on this that comes on this podcast. I'd like to know a little bit about your health journey, because what we have found in this space, as I'm sure you know, is no one gets into the functional health care space by accident. Typically, they have dealt with their own health uh, journey or a very close person in their life has. So I already know, obviously, that you've dealt with some stuff. So let's dive into that. When did those health complications begin and what did those look like for you? Thanks, Evan, for, for that introduction. And I love talking about this because it's something so near and dear to me. And it wasn't actually my um, original story. It's actually about my grandfather because he suffered from generalized anxiety disorder and um, had been put on medication for 20 years and just kept filling a repeat prescription. He had a nephew who was a doctor, so it was just very easy for him to call him up and say, oh, I've run out of my prescription. And that just kept getting reissued to him over decades, right? Like two decades. And, um, you know, by the time I was a teenager uh, and I was ready to go to university, he'd had his first stroke. And um, everything that I'd learned when I'd studied psychology was that being on psychopharmaceuticals for very long periods of time for anything longer than six months increases your risk of suffering from strokes and then subsequently vascular dementia, which is unfortunately how, how he ended up. Um, he had about seven strokes in the end and um, was incapacitated. So that was very hard for me to watch because he had been a very health conscious man, at least in terms of his physical health. He used to be a bodybuilder and he used to lift weights every day and he cycled every day and he was very very fit, but mentally he wasn't very fit. He had a lot of um, negative thoughts and uh, limiting beliefs and a lot of fear. And I would, I guess maybe panic kind of crept in there too. So that's what sort of like led me down the road of studying psychology. Then I moved into human resources at, um, at an investment bank. And while I was there, ended up running a well-being program. And during that time, the irony is that I developed IBS and my own anxiety issues crept in. Um, and I started struggling with panic attacks, insomnia, a lot of hormonal things were completely out of whack as well. Um, I had very terrible migraines. And in addition to that, like, you know, my stomach just was just not happy. So I was not in a good place. And that's what led me down the road of learn looking into functional medicine. Okay, got it. And so that is interesting. You're right. Like you're dealing, seeing this family member deal with this and then start dealing with at least very similar things yourself. I actually want to take one second here to go a little off track how we normally would, because I think this is important to hone in on. Um, actually, it's home in on. I just learned that recently and I got to get used to that. Never knew that. Anyway, you talked about having panic attacks and I think everything else you listed, especially in the functional space, people are at least mostly familiar with. But Panic attacks, I find no matter where I go, is kind of something that is pretty misunderstood. So can you describe like what this is like and mm. how a panic attack is different than just normal anxiety or generalized anxiety? Yeah. Um, and I mean, even just thinking about it is getting me quite emotional. I felt my stomach like turning into a knot as we started to talk about it. Um, you know, as you thinking about how it used to be for me, I could, I'd wake up in the middle of the night with my heart racing, my mouth extremely dry. I'd be sweating as well. Um, and I just have these, um, these thoughts that just could not, like they were racing around in my head and I couldn't calm down. My breathing would be extremely erratic. So it was really, really hard to like, to, to be 
be calm. I mean, I knew a lot of breathing techniques and I would try them. And this is why I knew it was something more than just seeing a therapist. I needed more than that because I had actually trained as a hypnotherapist and I had learned, you know, breath work and pranayama and I couldn't calm myself down. So I was like, there's something really wrong. Like, and, and at one point I thought I was having a heart attack, um, which I think is really common for people who have panic attacks. They start to think, why is my heart racing out of my chest like this? Why can't, you know, do you know what I mean? Like you have these, these sort of like yep. very strong physical sensations that are uncontrollable. So the hyperventilating came along with it, the racing heart, the racing thoughts, and lots of catastrophic thoughts as well. Like you think that you're going to die. Um, so it's not fun. Um, and like I said, Said, just thinking about it as you brought it up, I was like, oh, my stomach just seized up into a knot. It just triggered a lot of memories about how unpleasant that was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for a lot of people who experience or have experienced that, they they know it's it's extremely disconcerting, particularly if it's waking you up. And that was my thing. Like I used to wake up at like 2 a.m. with a panic attack. Um, and in everything that I know now about HPA axis dysregulation, I was like, oh, now I understand what was going on. But back then, I couldn't figure it out. And I just thought, oh, you know, maybe I need to meditate my way out of this. And uh, you can't, you know, there are physiological underlying uh, symptoms that need to be addressed and, and systems that need to be put back into balance. Sure. And the, thank you very much for being willing to share that because I know it's hard. And I have been through those myself. They were some of my main mental health symptoms for the longest time. And the reason I am so big on having these conversations, and I re, again, I really appreciate you bringing it up and actually talking about it, is because I think there is such a misconception about what those are. I think, unfortunately, these people get labeled sometimes as being dramatic or mm. we're told, you know, like, come on, like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? You think you're going to die? Like, give me a break. These are the symptoms. I mean, this is a clinical thing. And it is very hard to describe to someone what it is like when your body is in this extreme state of distress. And you can be the smartest, most logical person in the room. And you will still believe that, yes, I'm having a heart attack, or yes, I'm going to die. Something bad's going to happen to me. And then even more important to this conversation, how extreme of a thing is that? And this can actually get better when we take care of our health naturally. So I think that's, you know, powerful in its own right. Now, kind of getting back on track here, you were someone, obviously, it seems a little more open to the natural side of things than maybe just the average person walking down the street. So that's fantastic. So I'm curious, I mean, when you start experiencing these things like the IBS and the mental health symptoms, which is really interesting, because you probably already know that there's huge um, correlations between IBS and uh, mental health symptoms. What were some of the first things you tried? And did you have success with those things? I think it's safe to say that, no, I did not have success with those things. <laughs> um, and I was actually looking at it from, from reverse because I thought, oh, the IBS is being triggered by the anxiety. So let me look at how to reduce the anxiety through breath work, through CBT and hypnosis and, and doing all this kind of talking therapy and all the traditional things that we're told should work. However, like despite going through all that, doing my training, having my own therapist, um, I had two or three different therapists over time. I saw a Reiki practitioner. I had acupuncture. Uh, I'm trying to think what I saw a homeopath. I tried all these tinctures. I just remember this woman giving me 30 vials and she's like, you got to put 15 drops of this, 20 drops of that. And it's like these 30 vials that I had to go go on and trying throughout the day and be on that for about three months. I didn't make it through two weeks. Like it was so distressing and time consuming trying to figure out like, like, did I actually put in the right amount in that 
that last drop, you know, and it was very, very confusing and distressing. So safe to say, homeopathy didn't work for me. Reiki was calming at the time, but the effects were not lasting. I would say it's that kind of hot bath effect. Like you go to see someone, um, you know, you feel great for, you know, maybe 24 hours and then you're kind of back to square one again. I would say, and this is not something I've actually ever talked about before, but my anxiety would be worse. My panic would be worse on a Sunday night before I had to go to work the next day before I had, you know, so after my weekend was over, I would have like the worst panic attacks and my IBS would be the worst on a Sunday night, early Monday morning, sort of like three, four in the morning. So obviously, you know, there were some situational or environmental triggers going on there that needed to be paid attention to. But the root cause of the IBS wasn't actually the anxiety. Um, Yes, my work was, you know, I was in a very toxic working environment at the time, but I did have a number of gut dysfunctions when I eventually found a functional medicine practitioner. We ran um, a GI map and found, you know, I had a parasite, low-grade salmonella infection, something called Pseudomonas candida. It was a whole bunch of different things. And everything that I've learned now, it's like, you'll never find just one bug. So when someone comes to me and they say, oh, I think I have candida. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not just candida um, right. because yes. they, tend, they tend to travel in groups. I said, it's like one of them rocks up and then they invite all their friends. Um, so you want to be, you don't want to just be thinking, oh, I want to go on a candida diet. I'm like, no, we need to know exactly what we're dealing with. And, um, and also look at the environment that the, the body's functioning in, which is important, right? So the doing one test is never um, enough, which is what I have learned by you know, studying FDN. I had studied a different form of functional medicine before uh, doing my FDN training. And, um, you know, it had a very different approach to, to the way that you do things at the FDN, which is extremely systematic and why I love it so much. Okay, got it. And this is a really interesting aspect of all of this because, you know, we find a lot of people on this podcast go through kind of the ringer with Western medicine, and then they also do a lot of guessing stuff, even with the functional side of things. And that's why I think it's such an even greater testament to FDN, because there are people in the functional space who maybe they're getting some relief, or I love what you said. I hadn't heard that before, like the half, hot bath uh, syndrome. Like, yeah, you feel really good for 24 hours. It's so true, uh, because a lot of these people end up at certain practitioners, which to be clear, obviously, we both agree are fantastic practitioners. But I mean, yes, most people are probably going to agree that an acupuncturist or a Reiki master alone are not necessarily going to be the answers to severe types of anxiety or IBS, maybe supportive therapy, sure. But when you did this GI map, and I also love that you mentioned the fact that, yes, and this happens so often and I feel so bad because these people, and it's happened to me, I'm sure maybe it's even happened to you. We get online and we go down these rabbit holes and we're like, I finally found the answer. Oh, it's mm-hmm. this thing or, or that thing. And I still got to be careful to do that or not do that still to this day because you have to look at the whole picture. And mm-hmm. sure, could Candida be a part of your story? I mean, yeah, but if you're doing a comprehensive stool test, I've never seen just Candida be the only thing that shows up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so how did that go for you when you worked with that first, um, you know, functional medicine practitioner? And of course, if it maybe didn't go well, we don't need to get too much into details. But I am curious. I mean, the GI map's usually a great test if the person knows what they're doing. It's obviously mm-hmm. something we utilize in FDN and FDN Thrive. So how did that go with that individual? 
Well, I mean, I was blown away by the results because prior to working with him, I think that was in 2015. And I had started my journey in 2011 trying to figure out what was wrong with me. So this was four years down the line of trying multiple, you know, um, practitioners and specialists. I'd seen gastroenterologists. I'd seen endocrinologists. I had seen urologists. I had, I'm trying to think of all the ologists that I had gone to because, you know, it wasn't just my gut stuff that was wrong. I had problems with my hormones. I had problems. I had like recurring urinary tract infections as well. I had like all this stuff going on with me that I kept going to uh, being sent. I call it the medical merry-go-round. I was put on this medical merry-go-round and just going from specialist to specialist to specialist. And then on my own, trying all these different alternative therapies and healers because I wasn't getting any relief. All they wanted to do was put me on medication. So when I found this functional medicine, and I'm happy to mention him, Justin Buckthorpe, um, a pioneer in the UK back, back in 2015, um, you know, we looked into cortisol, so we did um, uh, an adrenal stress profile, uh, as well as the GI map, and um, and that was sort of like the beginning for me, you know, seeing what was going on. And I was very diligent. I followed all his recommendations. I took my supplements. I ate paleo and he was very proud of me. I gave up wine. Um, I did all that stuff for about maybe three to six months, actually probably about six months, but I was 75 to 80% maybe better, like a lot better. If I'm honest with you, like I did really, really, I, I was like a different person, like all the pain, all the stuff that I was dealing with um, initially, that had kind of all gone away because I had like a lot of cramping and pain and, and just being debilitated. Um, the anxiety went away as well. Uh, but my sleep was still pretty messed up. In fact, I think my sleep had gotten worse, which was weird. Um, I wasn't sleeping very well. I was very, I became an extremely light sleeper when previously I hadn't been. And, um, I, and that was interesting to see what happened then. And I kept asking him, I said, look, I don't understand, Justin, like what's happening to me? I feel like I'm, I've gotten way better and I'm happy about that, but I'm not a hundred percent. And when am I going to get there? And, you know, he just, he was really blunt with me too. He said, if you are in a really toxic working environment and you're not happy, he said, how on earth can you expect to be healed? Right. And that was when the penny dropped for me. Like I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with this job? And, you know, for a while I had been very happy with my work, but then by 2015, I had gone through four line managers in four years. And that was really distressing because I had just changed to another line manager. Um, and, you know, working in, in a bank, life is not as easy as, um, as it is now when you work for yourself and you can manage your own schedule and you don't have people breathing down your neck. Um, I had, in the end, I worked with some someone who was extremely controlling and a bit of a micromanager and it didn't sit well with me. In fact, it was pretty much anti, just so not in alignment with who I am. Like I'm a very creative, expressive, free thinker. He couldn't put, fit me into a box, which is what he kept trying to do. And I kept resisting and because I, I had all these big ideas about how I was going to change well-being at work and introduce functional medicine. And that kept getting shut down repeatedly. So, um, so it, it, I felt like I was hitting my head against a brick wall and expending a lot of energy trying to, to make changes that would improve the lives of 165,000 employees, but being met with lots of closed doors. So it was frustrating um, and I guess depressing in lots of ways too, because I just felt like my life energy was being wasted on people who didn't appreciate it or value it. So 
my um, my Damascus moment was when my grandmother died in 2016. I had met Mark Hyman the day before. He was in London um, lecturing at uh, King's College um, for two days. And I went to that conference and it was amazing. And it, I was like, oh my God, this is what I need to do. And then my granny died. I went home to Trinidad, uh, which is where I grew up. I spent 22 years of my life in Trinidad before I moved to the UK and went to university. And um going back to her funeral, like I just, I had like this moment and I was like, I cannot keep doing what I'm doing. It is, it's, it's killing me. Like I'm ill. It's making me ill. So I can't keep doing this. So I, I made the decision to, to not go back. I took six months out to figure out what I was going to do next. And I worked with a coach. Um, I worked with a psychologist. I worked with a psychiatrist who kept wanting to put me on meds and I kept resisting. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> she's like, you're just depressed. Just take the Cytalopram. Just take it. And I'm like, no, we need to talk about why I'm depressed. Like I kept pushing, you know. Um, and then I ended up finding the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy and retraining and started my, my, uh, my journey then. And that was actually what what led me down the road of, um, you know, two or three years later into starting my own business and, and then finding the FDN. This is so cool. And you're hitting on a point that we actually, ironically, haven't brought up somehow, considering all of these practitioners pretty much have a similar story in like terms of they've gotten into their working for themselves or doing their own thing. This is such an underestimated part of our physical and mental health. Most people, and I'm seeing this right now, uh, I'm, you know, a lot of my friends just came out of college in the last few years and they're getting into the workforce and they're like, wow, I, I hate what I'm doing. And not everyone, <laughs> right? Some love mm-hmm. it, but some hate it. They are swamped in debt and they're stuck. They, mm-hmm. they got to, you know, this is the job that they needed to go pay off that $100,000 in debt that they just took for college yeah. in America. Yeah. And so it is just crazy to think about because, yeah. If you're going every single day, or let's be realistic, five days a week, and no one's working 40 hours a week here anymore, and you're doing that you know, 50 hours, 60 hours a week, and that's not something you want to be doing even kind of, I mean, how can we possibly expect good outcomes with that? And mm. so that's like the beauty that you see in FDN and, and a lot of other functional trainings is that you actually not only get to heal, but you also get to kind of develop your own thing where you're right. You can create your own schedule because for many of us that have had true chronic illness, I'll tell you this. I don't think I could be healthy if I didn't have the ability to kind of dictate my own work schedule and what I do. I just I, I don't think I could do um, a normal corporate job. I think that would get me eventually. Right. So you just brought up a great thing that not a lot of people have talked about yet on this podcast. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's been the, it was the missing piece for me because I did the diet and I did the supplements and I have clients who come to me saying, I've already worked with functional medicine practitioners. I'm sick to death of taking supplements and I'm sick of trying new diets and being put on different things. And I'm not a hundred percent yet. And I'm like, well, I can relate because that was me. Like I actually went through that. And, um, and it's not, you know, it's never just about diet and supplements. And that's why dress is so beautiful. It is so perfect. It's such a wonderful system to help people understand. And for for listeners who aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, that's the system, the protocol that functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners use and implement. It's called diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplements. And it is personalized to you based on the findings of your functional lab work. And it's the thing that was, and which is 
is why I, when I found FDN, I was like, ah, finally, you know, the IFM way, which, you know, I love, and it, it did help me and it's helped lots of people working in that way has helped. But the structure that I have gained from work, from training as an FDN and from applying the principles of FDN, it has been a game changer for my business and for my clients. Like it has just, you know, it was taking me a year to get results with people. And now I can do it in three months and sometimes even sooner, like within the first three weeks, they start feeling better. Oops, sorry, I was muted there, but absolutely, because one of the things that I found, and this is so true for so many people out there on these healing journeys is, you know, I'm just, I'm trying all these different diets and doing these different things. And I remember speaking on the phone with Jen Maleka years ago, and I'm like, I, I didn't know anything about FDN, but I'm like, I'm looking for something more objective. And I can still remember her snickering on the phone. And of course, she's laughing because I'm asking for like objective data, not knowing a thing about FDN yet. And it's like, you know, what is she about to say? Like, hey, I think I got something for you here, bud. Um, and that's, that's really what this space needs is that system that consistently works and is predictable. And FDN has this kind of beauty in it of, yes, we're focusing on dress. It's always the fundamentals. No matter how technical we get, it always starts with the fundamentals. And if for some reason you are one of those outliers, which is roughly 15 to 20% of people that need a little more support, okay, well, as you know, Ray, our practitioners, we got that too. And we mm -hmm. can cover you on those heavier bases if needed. Um, and that's what we do with the FDN Thrive program, of course. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, this is always a fun question to ask everyone. As you're going through the FDN course, what are some things that even you may have found, even though you were already doing really well, uh, that you may have found on your lab tests that were like surprising to you or new to you, or you just never even expected? Um. That's a really good question. Uh, so the metabolic typing is something that I'd never done before. That was brand new. Um, I hadn't heard of it. I hadn't used it. And when I did it, I was like, I expected to actually to be a slow oxidizer, but it turned out that I'm actually a mixed oxidizer, which was interesting because there's certain things I know I don't metabolize very well. Like I've done genetic testing in the past and I know like caffeine and alcohol, really not great for me at all because I have um, some genes that that don't do well with detoxification. I have some impaired detox pathways. Um, but the, uh, so I was expecting to see just sort of like slow oxidizer, but I'm not. And I, what I loved finding out about is that, you know, you can improve that and change that where you can end up becoming a fast oxidizer based on the types of foods that you start feeding yourself. So that was a bit of an awakening um, and understanding, you know, metabolic typing, because it's not something that you're taught in that IFM model at all. So it was interesting for me. And, and just, just so our listeners are aware, I actually work with an IFM doctor and an IFM nutritional therapist. So I'm bringing them this kind of information and they're sort of like, oh, we've never heard of that. Can you explain it? So it's all, it's all new and interesting to them as well. Um, and seeing how we're going to start using it in my practice is going to be quite interesting, you know, because the IFM have got very standard. Um, they've got different types of food plans. They have, you know, a detox food plan, a mito food plan, a renew. So stuff for people who've had brain tumors, stuff for cardiometabolic issues, um, but uh, nothing as personalized as the metabolic typing diet. Right. And the metabolic typing thing's always so interesting to me because it kind of has, it, you know, if it didn't nail it to begin with, it mm. kind of does with the diet check record. So it's like, all right, let's get that last little percentage. Maybe this wasn't perfect for you. So you can kind of figure out 
you know, that last little percentage and what is your exact macronutrient ratios mm-hmm. and those types of things. And we don't have to dive too deep into this today. I know it's not <laughs> the sole topic, but as we're going through talking about functional lab work and the things that people find in FDN, you're actually the first person to bring up the metabolic typing diet. And anytime it's a new thing that we've talked about on this podcast, I'd love to just get a little more insight. So for those that have like maybe never heard of that, I mean, can you just give maybe a summary explanation of that whole fast oxidizer, slow oxidizer thing you were talking about? Because there are so many people that they're like, well, I know what like vegan or paleo is, but I, I don't know what an oxidizer is or that type of thing. So what, what do those terms mean? So let's see if I can do this justice, okay? Because this is, <laughs> I actually think it's quite complicated. Uh, let's see if I can do it justice. Um, if I want to think about it in the simplest terms, it's like fast oxidizers are people like my husband. Like they do very, very well on slow burning fuel, right? So they need to eat things that are like fatty. Uh, when I say fatty, like good fats, right? And they need lots of protein and a certain type of protein as well. So like purine. Um, sl- uh, slow oxidizers are the people who who can actually get away with um, eating things like uh, uh, like starchy carbohydrates. So like I, I'm actually one of, well, I, I know I'm not a slow oxidizer, I'm mixed, but that's why I don't do too badly if I, if I have carbohydrates. Um, I don't suffer from a lot of big blood, blood sugar crashes and stuff. So I'm not, that's not to say that someone who's a slow oxidizer should be going and eating all the chips and the cake. Okay. And that's not what I'm saying, but, um, (laughs) but, um, but fast oxidizers really need to be having more protein, um, and, and consuming more fats or good fats. And the slow oxidizers can obviously should be eating in that way as well, but they can get away with more carbohydrates because they don't need that sort of slow burning fuel as much. Um, I hope that's that's tied it up in a nutshell for people. It's it's a it's a lot more complicated than that, but I'm trying to simplify it. <laughs> right, and no, that's perfect for today because I mean we could spend ten hours talking about <laughs> metabolic typing with everything that's in it. But again, I think that's just really important for people to know that this is out there. Um, there are different types of or metabolic types. And we do use utilize that through FDN itself and the FDN Thrive program. And I love what you said about how it can almost switch because, you know, I've always scored as like a mixed oxidizer. And mm-hmm. certainly I'm someone who, if I am under low stress and everything's going well, mm-hmm. I can handle some extra carbs. Mm-hmm. But what I've noticed in my own life is like, if I'm very, very busy, especially like take away the pandemic, I'm normally like running around all over the place. That is when I almost move into like a more fast oxidizer. It seems at least I I seem to do better off those foods and all up the fats to like 70%. I got moderate protein, lower carb. And that is just truly how I do the best. But if I'm chilled, it's summer, you know, things aren't going too crazy. I can kind of go back to more of a, a mixed style and I seem to do really well. And when people find that, you know, it's such a different approach than they've ever heard because This is why, guys, just so you know, the diet industry has failed terribly over so many years because it tries to take everyone and fit them in a box no matter where they live, no matter what their heritage is, um, and no matter what their lifestyle is. It just does not work like that. So um, I appreciate you bringing that to the FDN Thrive podcast tonight. Again, it's not really something we've talked about. Okay, so... I'd love to talk about, you know, your health journey again and just revisit that really quick. Are you and 
listen, we have people here that are all over the place with their health journey, but clearly you've made at least some improvements. I don't actually know where you are today. Are these panic attacks things that have subsided? Do they still come up occasionally? Um, hopefully they are at least better than before. Like, Tell us a little bit about that and the other symptoms as well. Well, I like to say that I have not had a panic attack in, oh my God, like five years. Yeah. I haven't had one in like five years. So, um, I am pretty happy about that. That's like quite a result for me. In fact, I would say my anxiety in general has completely, it's evaporated. Like I know that there is an underlying genetic component for me. So I'm more mindful of how I nourish myself off the plate as well. So I spend a lot more time trying to create balance because my natural tendency is to be a type A and like you to be running around from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And those are the kinds of clients that I work with as well, women in business who are struggling with burnout because they're burning themselves out because they've got these unhealthy boundary issues. They don't know how to say no. They don't know how to quit. They don't know how to self-regulate. They don't know how to listen to their bodies. So everything about the way that I work now and the way that I help other people is the way that I'm actually working and have been working on myself. Um, and that way I know that it works, right? Um, so I feel like I can speak from a place of truth and authenticity uh, and, um, and integrity. Like I can actually say, look, this is what's worked for me. I have been in your shoes and I know that if we find the right things that you need, like if we look and identify those hidden stressors and then we work out what you need to actually, you know, to compensate for them, not just from a nutrition perspective, but what are you doing? Like I said, nourishing yourself off the plate. Um, you can create a lot of balance and you don't have to suffer or you don't have to, to deal with anxiety. I, I haven't actually dealt with a panic attack in a really long time. And I'm very, very conscious of my thoughts. So um, once we cleaned up those gut infections, I have to say, Evan, like within, like it was three months, everything was sort of like all that stuff had gone away you know, wow. three months and it had gone away, like complete. In fact, within the first 28 days, it was gone. Wow. <laughs> this stuff is, oh, it never gets old to me. And mm -hmm. I really don't think it ever will. And it's so, it's got to be so inspiring to the people here in this, maybe for the first time that again, the panic attack specifically, I know I, I've dealt with multiple mental health conditions. I know how debilitating they all can be in their unique ways, but I mean, man, these, these panic attacks, they're something fierce. They hit you a different way. Um, they, they're terrifying and they are just as terrifying every time. And so to hear something like that and know not only is Ray saying this, guys, I'm in the same exact boat. I haven't dealt with one for years. Mm -hmm. And I was someone who had a uh, phobia of flying. So mm -hmm. I didn't fly mm -hmm. for almost 13 years because I wouldn't get on. And after a few years of doing the functional healthcare type of thing, I'm like, I wonder, because I'm, I, the experimenter got me, right? I was just like, I can't resist. I'm like, I wonder what would happen if I flew. Now, I am not going to sit here and BS anyone. I would prefer to be on the ground. That is absolutely true. But it is as if, even under the worst turbulence, it's like it's impossible for my body to get into that panic mode. I keep thinking it's going to come. I'm like, oh, my God, this turbulence is so bad. I'm going to freak out. I'm going to lose it. It just won't happen. And so I think that is a case, especially for someone like me. So I know that we wanted to transition here almost talking about, uh, we, we wanted to talk about, we were t discussing before the podcast, some of maybe like the industry and maybe a societal perspective on these things and how functional medicine needs to be brought up a lot more. And my case right there is a perfect example because we never want to be biased, but you know, functional medicine did something that I never would have contributed to 
it being able to do that, right? I never would have thought that it could help with a phobia, but obviously I probably could still benefit from something like counseling or me, maybe even occasional medication. Um, if I'm on a long flight and it's not a regular thing, of course mm-hmm. we don't want to create like some dependency on that. Right. Um, but I, I think that's really cool. And so maybe that's a good time to jump into some of the things you and I were discussing off the air, because, uh, I'll, I'll start with that stat, I guess, because I know you really wanted me to mention that and I'm happy to do so. I interviewed a doctor a while back and he was someone, he's actually a, a clinical psychologist, but he worked with a psychiatrist. Now this guy graduated from, um, New York, he had no interest or knowledge of functional health care or natural health care or bias towards it whatsoever. And what he found, though, is consistently over time, his people were just not getting better in the amounts that he thought they should. And so what he did was he started like surveying these people and, you know, the psychiatrist prescribes the medication. And specifically, guys, we're talking about SSRIs right now, those selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They're the most popular class of antidepressants. You know, a lot of people are on these things. And he was finding that 70% of the people that the psychiatrist was sending to him were either having no effect, no positive effect whatsoever from these medications, or they were actually getting worse. And he was very clear to say that about 25 to 30% got a lot better without too many side effects or any at all. And so it did work about 30% of the time. But here's the problem. And Ray agrees with me, and I want you to touch on this with your own coaching, because that's going to be the next part of this conversation. I don't have a 70% failure rate in my practice. Um, We certainly don't have that in FDN Thrive. So, I mean, when you're working with these people, I don't know about you. Do you have a 70% failure rate, Ray, or is it a little better than that? (laughs) Well, I, you know, I don't like tooting my own horn, but I would say, you know, nine out of 10 times people walk away feeling 100% better. Um, and it's the only time that it doesn't work is when they challenge and question everything or they don't do what I say to do or they don't buy the supplements that I tell them to buy because they go for the cheaper GNC or, you know, the store bought, um, you know, supermarket brands and they won't go for the therapeutic grade things that I'd suggest. So, yeah, we don't have that kind. I don't have a failure rate like that. <laughs> nice. um, and particularly when it comes to, you know, I get a lot of unsolicited testimonials. So people will, I have like, I use an app to communicate with my clients called Healthy. And um, it's like a, a, a portal. So once they become a client and they're onboarded, um, they, I get them to download this app and we can, uh, they can chat with me. It's got like a messenger feature built into it as well as Zoom. So we can schedule meetings and appointments and everything with Zoom built in and it can record and lots of cool things happen. But I'll sometimes wake up and I'll have like messages waiting for me saying, hey, I had, I was able to get out of bed without my alarm going off today. I haven't been able to do that in like five years or 10 years. Um, or, you know, I recently had someone with fibromyalgia who had been dealing with it for about seven years. Um, in addition to a bunch of other things, gout, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, when we ran some of his labs, like we saw his gut was not in a really good place and he's got a bunch of other things that were going on to skin wasn't in a good place either. And we know about gut and skin. And, um, and, you know, I wasn't really hoping for miracles because I know fibromyalgia is one of those tricky, tricky things because it's, it's a cluster of symptoms that you can't really say like exactly what it is. It's just a bunch of things that have grouped together and the doctors are like, well, we really don't know what that is. So we're just going to call it, it's fibromyalgia because you got some sort of like, you know, neuropathy all over your body. We can't really figure out or pinpoint it. That's what we're going to call it. And, um, this poor person, you know, this poor client, 
had been dealing with being dismissed a lot by just saying, just keep taking pain meds, right? Like for years. And uh, I woke up to a message saying for the first time in about five years, I've been able to sleep straight through the night. And it's all since I started working with you. And that was like within two weeks of being on a protocol. Like, you know, he's like, I've been able to sleep. My restless leg has calmed down because he said the legs used to wake him up in the middle of the night. Uh, I generally, you know, so I don't generally work with men, but this was um, a referral of a friend. And I thought, you know, I, I can help you. So, um, and I'm really happy to say like, yeah, I've been working with people with fibromyalgia, even though I say like my niche is mental health, but he had a bunch of sleep issues. He had a bunch of anxiety issues. He had a bunch of a whole, whole, whole host of issues that were also part of his clinical diagnosis by his his doctors right um and all they wanted to do is keep pumping him full of medication and happy to say he's medication free to this day and that was like in january so um medications they have their place short term um i don't think we're meant to be on them for anything longer than six months at least from everything that i learned with my undergraduate degree in psychology and i studied psychopharmacology and you know i wanted to understand them because of what had happened with my grandfather and because he had abused valium and his doctor had facilitated and enabled that right had enabled Mm -hmm. him abusing valium by just writing him scripts and 20 years of being on anything you know two years of being on anything, one year of being on anything. That's not where you want to be. Medications have got their place, but they are not designed for long-term. They're they're there to save your life in the first instance. That's what it's for. It's not there to change your life because if it's changing your life, like over a long period of time, it's not for the better, right? It's, It's just going to cause things to deteriorate like that doctor you interviewed was telling you about. Things actually can get worse. Um, and sometimes people spontaneously go into remission. That can happen too. That was something that I had learned about um, you know, in my, my CBT training that sometimes mental health issues can resolve themselves. That could be down to lots of things. It could be down to, you know, maybe the mental health issue was down to, you know, some sort of situational, um, uh, trigger like a, you know, like a bereavement, you know, so people might be sad and depressed for a few months. And then after a little while, they might, I don't want to say get over it, but heal. Um, but it could be as well, like, you know, that there are other things at play, like there might be some underlying biological or biochemical um, issue that needs to be be looked at. And I'm always shocked by the number of women who come to me with, you know, burnout and anxiety and not sleeping. And nobody, none of these doctors ever think of, well, let's look at their vitamin D. Let's look at their thyroid. Let's look at their iron levels. Like nobody does any investigative work. They're just like, okay, we'll just take this, um, take this, this pill and keep taking it, you know, you know, stay on the pill. And like, without any concern, like, well, how long should you really be on that pill? Should it not be like, well, while you can be on it while we figure out what else is going on with you and we do some, some detective work. Uh, and I guess that's why I love, I love what I do because, you know, you were saying when you met Jen, you're like, I really want to do something that's very, you know, objective. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, you've, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like this is, you came to the right place. And and I could just picture her giggling, like, as you said that, you know, she's like, well, if you want objective, it's not going to get more objective than this well exactly she's like yeah this guy's got no idea what he's getting (laughs) and i love what you just said about the vitamin d and thyroid stuff because it's not like we're asking for a mountain here i mean this is (laughs) basics this is basic stuff in our world i Mm -hmm. mean you're talking about western medicine has the studies on this to Mm -hmm. see that i mean for example an underactive thyroid you got like hashimoto's or even hypothyroidism that's not hashies 
we know that that causes depression in people or mm -hmm. symptoms of anxiety. Vitamin D has been studied on things even like vitamin D levels, that is, mm -hmm. has been studies on things uh, even like bipolar disorder. So yeah. we're not asking for anything ridiculous here. It's mm -hmm. just I don't know. Well, I do know why it's happening. And you know, what? it's really not because the doctor's a bad person. In fact, that is probably not the case 99.99% of the time. It's a terrible system. It is a system that relies on, you know, Reed and I and Ray and these uh, two individuals, Nick and Bree, who you hear on the podcast soon, and Jennifer Woodward, who's been on before. Uh, we hop on Clubhouse very often at uh, 1 p.m. EST on Mondays. And we were just talking about that today, kind of like Reed was explaining, you know, these people have these diagnostic codes and the insurance companies have these certain ways of setting things up. And so the doctor has to figure out, oh, what does this look like? Okay, now I can label it. And now the insurance is able to do this thing. That's mm -hmm. not really the doctor's fault now, is no. it? You know, they no, are in this system. box. Mm -hmm. yes. The system's broken. It's a sick care system. Yes. And um, there's a really good, I mean, I'm, I'm not a person who watches TV, but I do like getting stuck into box sets. And there's a TV show on Amazon called The New Amsterdam. It's about a fictitious public health care hospital in New York City. And um, the doctor, the lead medical director, he is there to, to basically revolutionize health care. And he goes against all the like all this stuff that we're talking about, like how they can't treat or help their patients because of all the red tape that, that they've got to be um, and all the hoops they have to jump through as, as clinicians. Um, and I feel blessed in so many ways that as FDNs, we don't have to, to grapple with some of that. You know, we don't, we're not bound or, or, um, or, or fenced in by some of these illogical and unhelpful um, rules because they're not logical and they definitely don't help people by trying to like pigeonhole you into like, oh, well, you know, it must be, I don't know, like, look, for example, fibromyalgia, look at that. Like, how do you even figure that one out? You know, it's a cluster of different symptoms. <laughs> so like, how do you treat that one? And which is why they're like, well, we don't really know. So just take pain meds, you know? Um, so, yeah, so I think the system is definitely broken. Um, you know, Reed has created something that is, um, it's, it's awe-inspiring, actually. You know, I first heard him speak in, actually, it's coming up to two years, uh, the 25th of April, um, 2019, at the Paleo FX. And it was, um, it blew my mind. I remember, like, recording stuff on my phone, sending it back to my practitioners in England, um, and, you know, sharing it with Dr. Nathan and with Despina, my chief nutritional advisor. So I was sharing it, and I said, you guys, like, listen to this whole, they, they've mapped it out. They know how to help people in this really systematic way. And their brains were a little bit blown, too. They're like, oh, wow, that's super cool. Um, because <laughs> I, I, just, I just remember thinking, like, we've been kind of not fumbling around in the dark but the protocols that fdn is able to give people just that structure just makes life so much easier um, and makes and clears that path in such a beautiful systematic way for for clients and you know and when you're working on yourself as well you know i thought that was one of the things that was so cool like by going through through going through the course myself um, realizing that wow these protocols make it they just make sense they're again they're logical they're really really logical which is unfortunately what we're not dealing with in the sort of like <laughs> traditional <laughs> the traditional yeah. western way <laughs> yeah no there's some pretty ridiculous stuff going on and i love that you brought up that term of a sick care system i don't love the term obviously but it is true and people need to realize that now again i'm not 
both of us are not blaming anyone or anything, but you need to remember that this system that most of the Western world follows requires you or someone else or me to be ill for them to make money and survive. So I'm not, this isn't some weird thing of like, oh, they're trying to make us ill. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm saying is that's how it has to happen. So there's no incentivization to look at these healing opportunities or you know, bettering people's diets because the pharmaceutical industries cannot exist if you don't need abundance of pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. That is just the fact of the matter. And, um, you know, the time's flying tonight. This has been really fun. I love talking <laughs> to anyone about mental health. Uh, but I do want to get into one more question that I think you probably can answer really well, given your history um, in the banking world and the fact that you were bringing wellness to that type of environment. I mean, Ray, what do you think would be a good solution or like what do you want to see in the future with these more corporate types of, uh, I guess, these traditional corporate businesses? How can they incorporate wellness and mental health awareness and these types of things for their their employees and their workers because I just feel like we're still so off the mark, but you seem like someone that can really bridge that gap and might have some information for that. I mean, in a perfect world, you know, if I had to, you know, if I was... If I was the president, what would I do? Um, I would make functional labs accessible to everyone. I would make it something that, you know, it could be co-paid between the employee and the employer um, so that, you know, they can, because they're not cheap, the labs, um, but, you know, you are going to get what you pay for at the end of the day. And I believe in that you have to invest. And it's something that when I speak to people who, you know, who come my way, they're like, oh, those are really pricey. And why are they so pricey? And I, I say, well, it's not something that you can find with, unfortunately, your regular doctor. And at the end of the day, you know, your, your health is like, um, like your house, your, your body is your house, right? You have to live in it. And if you're, if your roof in your house was leaking or if your pipes weren't working, you'd get it fixed. You would just be like, oh, I just need to get this working because I can't afford to have a leaking pipe or I can't afford to have water pouring through my ceiling. And I'm, that's actually a whole other can of worms when it comes to mold. But, um, but, but to say what would, what would be like a game changer and move the needle forward in the functional health, um, functional health space and the corporate well-being space, actually employing functional health coaches and not these they, they, when, when I was in that space, we had, um, physiologists as the health coaches, uh, that, that, uh, the company that I worked for, they, that's what we were using at the time. And, you know, for mental health, they had an EAP program and it was such, it was so basic, like the EAP, you would call it up and you'd get six sessions of counseling by someone on the phone who'd never been in your shoes, who'd give you really generic, very basic advice like oh maybe you should go for a walk maybe you should go sit outside you know if you're not feeling great like go sit up phone a friend and I'm like seriously this is what we pay for (laughs) you know and that really just you know because I was going through it at the time and I had to use it and I'm like you're dealing with people who you know on that end of the phone who are just not not equipped to really deal because they're giving you such generic, non-specific advice. And the future of healthcare has got to be personalized. And these companies have the money to invest in it. And people need to learn as well that they can, they should be investing in their health and paying it forward and looking at how they can be proactive about it as well and not waiting for the government. Because in the UK, people wait for the government um, because it's a socialized healthcare system. You can't wait for the government to take care of you. You've got to be taking action and taking care of yourself. And if your company isn't doing it for you, start putting the same way you put aside money for a vacation or a ski holiday or whatever, 
put aside three grand and invested in some lab work and working with a health coach for three months, that that three months is going to, it's not just three months that is going to last you, you know, for the rest of your life. That's going to impact your life for 20 to 30 years at least. All right. Yeah, I've said, I'm done. I'm done talking. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Awesome. I'm done speaking. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. We got a uh, kindred spirit here for sure. That That is all I know. Um, yeah, we do only have a couple minutes left. I got to ask uh, two more quick things. One is just, Ray, where can people find you if they're like, all right, I love this woman. This is the person for me. Where can they get in contact with you? Okay, well, I am on Instagram and under wellworks.co, so at wellworks.co, and also I have a website, well-works.co. It's not .com, it's .co. Co is for company. So I hope that people reach out. Um, I've got a lovely Facebook community, actually. It's free. I invite people, you know, if, I say if you can't afford functional medicine right now, at least join the free community, start learning a few things and, and taking your knowledge up a notch or two and start implementing some of it and seeing how far you can get just from being part of the free group um, because I think that's a good starting point. Um, I share a lot of resources in there. Uh, I do lives in there. Um, I host like a monthly, a monthly live as well, where you can speak to someone like, you know, like a Reed or, you know, the doctor who I work with, like he comes in every now and then and I interview him and we get, we open it up for the floor for people to ask him questions as well. So um, lots of ways to get in touch and, you know, social media throughout the pandemic has, has actually been a bit of a game changer for me because I didn't really like it before and I didn't really use it before, but thanks to COVID, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. Um, it's now a place where I'm able to connect with more people and help them. And that's been a big game changer for me. And I think it can be for other people too. Okay. Awesome. I will make sure that uh, those links are all in the show notes, as always, folks. And my final question, the signature one on the FDN Thrive podcast, which I'm sure you probably have heard before, but I always like to ask it. If Ray was president, let's say that, right? We already brought that up once. But if you were president and you could get everyone to do one thing for their health, or alternatively, you could get them to stop doing one thing for their health, what is that one thing you'd get people to start doing or stop doing? Find fun and joy in your life. I, I really think that's a I think, yes, of course, run labs, do all that kind of stuff, do the investigative work. That's important. But start finding your joy because so many people are miserable and suffering because they are not finding balance or joy in their lives. With people who come to us at FDM Thrive, I think this is something I see really often. And I'll just be straight up. I mean, I see this in society as a whole. We have focused so much on achievement and accomplishment and task completion, which by the way, I am all for, and many of the people that we interview are all for, but it's done now for the sake of just doing it as opposed to the enjoyment of doing it. Like I love getting stuff done for FDN. I'm here because I want to be here, right? And I'm lucky enough that they want me to be here. So it's a wonderful thing. That's the kind of stuff we got to focus on. I think also I would add to that, that, and I'm sure Raywin would agree, but I always record these after the episode. You know, we got to have fun in our work. I think that's a great place to start because in today's world, you know, no one's really getting away with the 40-hour work week with one parent out there working, the other parents at home helping out. That's just not how it is. Both people got jobs. Both people are doing 50 hours a week minimum. That's typically how it goes. And, you know, we could debate that all we want, but the thing is, that's the case right now. That's what we're dealing with. And so 
If you're not enjoying the work that you're doing, or if you don't have a plan to at least get into the work that you enjoy, I think you're missing out. And I think that's a huge component of our overall health that we don't look at. We see the food. We know that matters. We see, oh, I'm drinking you know, soda every single day. We know that matters. But we don't always see the toll that the lack of enjoyment and life that we should be getting from our jobs and we're not getting, what that does to us. I think that's something really profound and a great answer uh, to end this episode. So I'll see you guys next time. If you would be so kind, you know I always ask this, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us get more I guess recognition, because not a lot of people know about this stuff. Think about the story we just said today. You know, Raywin is out here. She's been working in the functional space forever and just found something like FDN in the last couple of years. So please consider leaving us a review. At least people then can have a choice. That's really all I want. I don't care what route they take. I just want people to know that there are options out there and it really bothers me, but it also lights me up knowing that things like this can be the catalyst for someone to actually make an informed decision when it comes to their health. So thank you for leaving the review and thank you for being an awesome listener. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to FDNThrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's FDNThrive.com.